Hello and welcome to Real Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Brummer. Real Talk is a virtual series to raise awareness about key patient safety issues and celebrate the work of leaders in the field. Tune in every month as we discuss issues that are rarely talked about and new ways we should be talking about it. Today, we are talking to Michelle Polozinski, a filmmaker who suffered life-threatening adverse reactions from an antibiotic called Cipro. Michelle, welcome. Uh, Thank you. If I could just kind of jump into your story. So you you are flocks, just like I am, um, and we're both filmmakers too, so we have that in common. Um, so you weren't feeling well, you went to your doctor. Why did you go to your doctor and what happened after that? Uh, yeah, so I had a simple UTI. I was working about an hour away from where I lived at the time. And I woke up with that, that classic feeling that you just have to pee all the time. And, you know, you're like, something's going on down there. And I tried driving to work and it was impossible because I couldn't, you know, stop to use the bathroom every two seconds. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to the urgent care. I'm going to get an antibiotic and then I'm going to go to work and I'll be on my way. Um, so I went there and they, they didn't run a culture. They didn't do anything. They said, Hey, this is probably a UTI. Do you just want an antibiotic? And I didn't know better at the time. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, you don't even have to go to the pharmacy. We have it right here. So they just gave me a, a bottle that literally just said Cipro. There's no warnings whatsoever. They didn't have any of that. They just gave just Cipro. I think it was like 500 milligrams. Not exactly sure gave me the bottles, like sent me on my way. And I was like, okay, cool. Took one in the car on the way back to work and just did the thing. Um, so then like, I didn't really, my UTI didn't go away. So I had to go back to the urgent care and they prescribed me two more. And I don't recommend this urgent care <laughs> prescribed me two more antibiotics, um, to take at the same time, because they said that Cipro was so powerful. It's so weird that it didn't cure your UTI. And I remember being like, why did you give me an extremely powerful antibiotic for a UTI? That's so bizarre. Um, so I took the two antibiotics at once. I like still can't even believe I did that. And, um, then my UTI went away and I was like, great, awesome. And then about a month later, interestingly enough, um, one of my arms went numb and it was while I, when I woke up and I was like, okay, great. Well, I probably just, you know, sat on my arm incorrectly, probably pinched a nerve, whatever. Like my mm. arm is numb. It's fine. I'll go to the doctor when I can, you know, I'm busy with work. That's, that was the priority of my life at the time. And, um, I couldn't get a doctor's appointment. It was just, you know, months away. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. And three days later, my other arm went numb, and then, uh, both my legs went numb. Oh, wow. And so I went to the ER because I was like, this is terrifying. So I'm going to do that. And, uh, they didn't, I don't know if they didn't believe me or what the deal was. They didn't run any tests. They just charged me $300, made me wait for like, I think it was five hours and then sent me home. So mm -hmm. that's pretty typical of, um, Los Angeles healthcare. And so <laughs> I was sent home and, uh, yeah, eventually then, uh, my face went numb and it was, pretty scary to have your entire body go numb and then have the doctors be like, 
I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to make an appointment with a neurologist. You're going to have to make an appointment with this person. And all these appointments were months away. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is something that I can wait months for. Like, this is pretty scary. And I couldn't find anything online about it. Like, why is my whole body going numb? It was a pretty scary thing. And I didn't know if I was going to, you know, be paralyzed or, or what was going to happen to me. Um, and then I called my, my PCP after I finally got an emergency neurologist appointment. And the neurologist was like, I don't know, see your PCP. And I was like, dude, what the heck is going on? And thankfully my PCP, I, without him, I, I don't even know if I would be alive today, honestly. Um, he knew immediately what it was because he had a patient who was Flox two years prior. So he was like, listen, this is going to sound crazy. Have you taken Cipro? I was like, yeah, I took Cipro a month ago. It's not Cipro. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, it can actually stay in your system and cause a reaction like up to six months. I think it might also be a year now. I'm not exactly sure what the studies indicate, but um, some, yeah. So he kind of walked me through the whole healing process. Um, and then I didn't really have a lot of support out there. I had a few friends that were, I mean, I had some friends that were really amazing, I must say, who like drove me to the doctor back and forth, checked on me, like bought my stuff when I was moving, <laughs> just like mm -hmm. really amazing people. Yeah, but that's important to have a support system. Yeah. And I didn't have any family out there. Like, like my closest family was in like my great aunt in San Francisco, who I didn't know very well. And so I just... I just ended up um, moving back home and getting treatment there, which is good because I just kept declining. So eventually I couldn't walk. Um, like I had, I didn't have any tendon ruptures as far as I know, but I had like just full tendonitis throughout my whole body, like elbows, shoulders, behind my eyes even was mm -hmm. in a lot of pain. There's just like the classic Achilles heel, everything. And uh, the numbness didn't go away. And I couldn't even take a simple walk because I'd be exhausted for like a week afterwards and bed bound. So I was pretty much bed bound and I read a lot of Harry Potter and did a ton of research and I ended up finding, um, Floxy Hope and a bunch of mm -hmm. other really amazing resources online. Um, a bunch of other Floxies, including you. And, um, that was really, even with my doctors who were helping me out, like that was how I kind of like everything kind of clicked like, okay, I have to get these supplements. Okay. I should do this. Like I ended up reading the walls protocol because it was recommended a gazillion times. I took 26 supplements three times a day. So it was a lot. And, uh, I, yeah, I was in the infrared sauna once a week. Um, that was all I could really afford. And people helped me out with that cost. And I literally spent all of my savings trying to get better and then went into debt, of course, also trying to get mm -hmm. better. Um, and it took about a year and a half until I finally started feeling at least like I could function again. Um, and meanwhile, like I didn't have enough money to kind of just hang out. Like I was literally working mm -hmm. remotely online this whole time, just yeah. part time trying to get whatever I could because I still had crazy student loan payments, you know. Um, but I think the most impactful part of my flocks journey was the mental and the spiritual one, because like every person I've talked to usually talks about this. You feel like, like, you're not sure whether you're going to die or not. 
you don't know if you're going to get worse. You don't know if you're going to get better because every Floxy is different. So some people get so much worse. Some people are really, really bad. And then they get a bunch of surgeries and then they're finally back on their feet. Some people are, you know, in a wheelchair for the rest of their lives or they can't feel their face like ever again. I, I know one person that I connected with. So I was in my early 20s when I got floxed and, and so is she. And so we connected and she was based mm-hmm. in California and her face is permanently numb. Um, there's just mm-hmm. so many possibilities. And so you kind of have to prepare yourself for whatever could happen. And I think that pushes you towards a really big, like either spiritual or mental transformation, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know if I I would say I feel invincible now. I'm just like, ah, I I handle that. I can handle anything, but Mm -hmm. it's just that I feel so much more comfortable in my body and myself. I have so much more gratitude, just like that I'm alive, that I can walk. And I was able to get better enough that I could walk again. Um, So I think that's probably the most impactful part of the whole thing is like, yeah was that yeah how are you feeling now do you consider yourself recovered or on the way do you still have issues yeah I mean I everyone who's been floxed is like forever floxed as you know but um Mm -hmm. I definitely I have some some heart damage from it so I can't really do a lot of like cardio exercise as much as I could before I can only do like Mm -hmm. a little bit at a time um and I have some small fiber nerve damage that's going to be there forever but it's not that big of a deal. It's just like, compared to what could have happened, Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm recovered as much as I can be. I definitely feel the most mentally and actually physically healthy than I ever have in my whole life right Mm -hmm. now. And I think part of that too, is just being more in tune with my body with what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and understanding it too. You, you know, you were talking about how a doctor was the one that sort of told you about the, all this. The same thing happened with me, and that's that's rare for a doctor to connect it because I know a lot of people that we talk to don't have that experience. They're dismissed all the time. And I remember, like, when my surgeon, like, this was like my third or fourth tendon rupture within like a couple of years, and um, when he was telling me this, like. I remember being so mad because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, really? An antibiotic did this? You're out of your mind. And I went home and I researched it and I, I saw that that he was right. And I, that that surprised me more than anything. Um, so in your experience, what, what surprised you the most? I, I think it was, I was most surprised that it was so common because I did the same thing. He he actually sent me to Floxy Hope and, and all these other websites. Um, and I, I was like, okay, you know, I, that sucks that I'm one of those people who has a rare reaction to a pharmaceutical. It happens, sucks mm-hmm. that I'm one of those people, you know, that was my initial reaction. And then when I connected with all these people, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like hundreds of thousands, probably a lot more people all over the world that experienced this. And it's, it's also, I think also what surprised me is that doctors aren't necessarily adequately trained to like mitigate adverse reactions or even to treat them. And that was also really frustrating because even once I was like officially diagnosed with fluoroquinolone toxicity, 
I still couldn't really get the assistance that I needed. I think the most assistance I got was from a functional doctor in Great Barrington who has since retired, but he, mm-hmm. he holds a nice space in my heart. Um, and he was way more I, or better trained in toxic reactions. And it, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't even think, like, I just thought doctors would immediately know what to do. Of course they would know what to do, but they don't. They don't know what to do at all. The average right. doctor has no clue what to do if you have a drug reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are seven black box warnings now on fluoroquinolone antibiotics. Do you think that these should be taken off the market given the risks? Um, I think this is a tricky question for me. It's funny that it's seven now. I think when I got floxed, it was uh, either four or five. Um, and I, it's just, it's actually kind of bizarre that it hasn't been taken off the market yet, in my opinion, Um, especially considering how much pain it's caused people, um, how it's killed people, and it's Mm -hmm. left people disabled for the rest of their lives, or even just temporarily, like it's not okay. Um, But however, it feels like an unrealistic ask, because they're literally developing fluoroquinolones right now, like they're making new ones, and Mm -hmm. they're just the same. They're all the same. I mean, they're slightly different. Okay, like, Mm -hmm. From my experience and what I have talked to with others, it seems like, and the research that I've done myself, that Cipro causes more neurological issues and like Leviquin causes more tendon issues and like, but they both cause the same amount of damage really. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's the thing. It's like so many people have fought so hard and they've taken it, you know, they've had so many lawsuits mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, here's a thousand dollars, like with class, class action lawsuits and like, like yeah. I literally had over $5,000 in medical debt. Like that's not okay. That's not even mm-hmm. close to helpful. Um, especially when people are getting floxed every day. But at the same time, a friend of mine has really bad Crohn's disease. And I remember it was like, it was a couple years after I was floxed and she was fully aware of what happened to me. Everyone on my Facebook was very fully aware. It was very about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was freaking out. She called me because she woke up with an IV in her arm of Cipro. So it turns out she had passed out while she was rock climbing, I think. And she ended up going to the hospital and she had a crazy infection that had to do with her Crohn's disease. And she was like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I didn't consent to this. I hope like whatever happened to you doesn't happen to me. And I don't mean to like freak out on my friends, but I, I would not recommend anyone to take this drug unless like they are absolutely completely understanding of what it can possibly do to you. And you are in a near death situation, which is also the only way the FDA has approved it as far as I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I want to mention my favorite, one of my favorite studies ever. It's from 2007 and it's called diminished ciprofloxacin induced chrondotoxicity by supplementation with magnesium and vitamin E in immature rats. I wrote it down because I was like, I want to get this right. Um, It basically showed that magnesium and vitamin E taken like a week before taking a fluoroquinolone significantly reduced connective tissue damage and other types of side effects. Um, And I think I read somewhere and I I reread the study and I don't think this is accurate. I think it was in um, Dr. J Cohen's book was talking about how like, it was like an 80% like chance that if you supplement beforehand, you wouldn't get these side effects. So either way, I I was like, Hey, I don't know if this is going to help you, 
but try taking magnesium and vitamin E and see what Mm -hmm. happens because chances are maybe you won't get a reaction. And this happened a couple of times. I had a couple of friends be like, oh my gosh, my doctor diet, like gave me this antibiotic. I didn't even look it up. And now I realize it's the antibiotic that hurt you. Mm -hmm. What do I do? So I tell them that, and she didn't have a, she didn't have any side effects and she's, she has like, you know, she's immunocompromised. She has issues and she didn't have a single side effect um, that she could notice. I mean, Mm -hmm. molecularly, you wouldn't really know. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like if we can implement the studies that are actually done and this was in 2007, like we know about this, if we can implement a safer way to prescribe them, I think that that could be helpful. You know, if someone has the plague or their leg is going to fall off, or I don't know if they have some crazy infection and nothing else works. Um, and Cipro would save their life, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. if we can give the magnesium as well, or some other supplement that could mitigate the risk, mm-hmm. maybe possibly we could have it safely on the market. However, I have no faith that that could happen considering it's been what, 14 years <laughs> since that study happened right. and nothing's really been implemented. And I know that mm-hmm. um, medicine's really conservative about that kind of stuff, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't even prescribe probiotics with antibiotics and they do that. They've been doing that in Europe for years. My doctors just started doing that. Um, cause oh <laughs> like, I think they're tired of hearing my little spiel about Leviquin and Cipro. Like I'm getting a new replacement at the end of this month. And we had that conversation about like what I will and will not take. And I said, I'm like, let me tell you something. I will not take Cipro and Leviquin. And they go, well, are you allergic to it? I'm like, no, I'm not allergic to it. I've had 30 tendon ruptures because of it. And we're not doing this again. <laughs> Um, so they said, well, we'll, we'll put you on a different antibiotic because we don't want an infection to set into your joint replacement. And we're going to, you know, make sure that you get probiotics. And, um, so like, I was, I was glad to hear that, um, you know, the surgeon was sort of kind of aware of what some of the adverse reactions were and, you know, mentioned the probiotic. I, I mean, it was another weird thing where like, it was a doctor that connected things again, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for improvement. And that's what's mm-hmm. so exciting about it is like, oh, you just need you just don't know about this. We can just tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were there was about 35 of us that went to the FDA a few years ago and we had stuff hired and it was I mean, it was very emotional and it was very um, compelling and passionate. And um, it's been a few years now and nothing's been done. And um, that's, you know, that's frustrating, you know. Um, So you, um, through this experience, you decided to make a film about this. So tell me about Floxed. Sure. Um, So I started filming Floxed in 2017 um, when I was still sick, honestly. Um, And it's about fluoroquinolone, fluoroquinolone toxicity, from the perspective of both Floxies and healthcare and research professionals. So I, I didn't want to, I'm not trying to make anyone the enemy here because especially since if I didn't have a doctor, you know, he wasn't the one who prescribed it to me, but if I didn't have a doctor diagnose me, I don't even know where I would be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I drove, Oh, I'm so sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I don't even know where my phone is. I'm so sorry. I actually don't hear it. Okay. I'm back. 
Um, and I didn't silence my phone. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I didn't hear it actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I, I drove and flew all over the U S and Canada to get a bunch of different perspectives on the issue. And it focuses more on the science, um, behind it, which I personally find fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of the, the mental and spiritual, this mental health and spirituality of, of flock season and what it's like to like experience your body in this very different, horrifying way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how we can change and prescribe these drugs kind of as a global society to avoid hurting people in that way. Um, I, I feel bad talking about it a little bit because we were on such a momentum um, since 2017. I've had a bunch of friends from you know other shows I've worked on jump on and help, which has been really amazing. We just got a new producer on it recently um, who I, I met last year and, and we got along really well. So she's popped on. Um, but we're, we've been on such a long pause because we had a Kickstarter scheduled in March 2020. In April 2020, I was going to go to the um, Disability, uh, the Real Abilities Festival in New York City. Um, I had meetings with investors, like we had a celebrity that was going to be in it. Like it was like a whole shebang. And mm. we had to cancel everything because it's like, it's not only, and even still, because it's like, these aren't, these people aren't just like your average everyday person who might be able to survive COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the first person that I interviewed, Johan wheel, um, he was housebound and he had really bad heart damage. Um, and he, he couldn't leave his house because anytime he left his house, his body was so, um, it was so compromised that he mm-hmm. could, he would always get, he'd always get sick every single time friend comes over, he got sick goes to the grocery store. He got sick. He get like groceries delivered and stuff. Um, and he actually died a year, um, after I interviewed him, um, oh, of heart failure, it's hard. but it's because of him and other people that I've interviewed that I just don't feel comfortable even with a mask, you know, even if we're taking precautions, I am not trying to put people through anything. So we are still kind of like trying to reorganize and, and see what we can do kind of in the the office end, going through mm-hmm. footage, making sure we have everything set so that we know what we need to film next and that we can finally finish it. But yeah, it was supposed to be finished at the end of 2020. Um, so I feel, so now it's like the end of 2021, you know, what are we doing now? So I think we're going to probably start back up next year um, officially and like try to actually finish it and make something out of it. But um, good. yeah, and it's, I think it's, Like, of course, it's for me. It's for me to be like, hey, this is my story. This is what happened to me. But I think when I first started it, I also didn't know if I was going to live or die. (laughs) I think part of it was just like, hey, if anyone was confused, this is what happened to me. Um, And also for anyone, it's for Floxies. It's for the whole Floxie community. It's like, you know, who who haven't been believed. A lot of people, their, their yeah. family didn't believe them. They thought they were crazy, mm-hmm. but their doctors didn't believe them. And, and their only community that is supportive is this online Floxy community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and, and then it's also for people who just kind of like, who were like me, who just 
kind of took an antibiotic and was like, okay, cool. Antibiotics are safe. Thanks doc. Like, and just, you know, don't really think twice about taking medication, not realizing that maybe that might not be for you. Like I remember when I was in fifth or sixth grade, my doctor was pushing birth control pills on me. And I was like, at that age, yeah, I was like, I just got my period, like relax. (laughs) Um, And then I found out that they, well, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time they got a bonus if for every person that they put on birth control. And I looked up the side effects and well, first of all, I was like, I really don't need this, but it was every single time I went to the doctor until I was, you know, I was in my teens and it was just, Hey, birth control. Hey, do you want birth control? Hey, here's birth control. Just kind of like shoved in your face. And I don't, so I looked up the side effects and, you know, it's saying people who have had, you know, depression, even in your family, like not even just you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be taking birth control. Just like different, there's all these, oh, possible side effect of blood clots. And I was like, mm-hmm. Like all for the sex I'm not having. Like, I, you know, I, just, I, it, it was just like, that was when I first started looking up drugs because I was like, why are you pushing this on me? Like I, yeah. my periods are fine. Like I can handle them. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And like, also I'm a child. Um, <laughs> and I looked up every single drug I took except for the antibiotics because I was like, Oh, the antibiotics are fine. It's just, you take it, you have an infection, you take it. You're good. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, antibiotics are a miracle drug. They're amazing. Like they, I mean, they're supposed to help you. Like nobody, nobody tells you that it could also harm you, you know? So you, you don't get that informed consent, you know, like I was always someone that you know, if my doctor recommended something, I'd be like, okay, you know better than I do. But, you know, now I know to ask the questions. And if I'm not satisfied with those answers, I'm not, I am not taking that drug. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know about you, but I feel a, kind of a personal responsibility to sort of warn people about that and say, yes, they can be good, but here's what also can happen just, just so that there is informed consent. And I feel a responsibility with that. I don't know how you feel about that. Exactly. I I feel that way too. And I think Mm -hmm. part of it, part of me even deciding to make flocks was like, what do I even do now? Like I have all this information. I'm finally starting to get better. And then all of my coworkers in LA were like, Hey, when are you coming back? Hey, are you going to, do you want to work on this show? Like, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to make a food competition show right now. Like that just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, when I have all this information and like this crazy experience just happened to me and I, I did feel a huge responsibility, especially, you know, knowing there wasn't, um, like a major film made about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wanted to be that person and I, I got, you know, all, all the big people that we have in our community. Um, Lisa Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Mark Gerard, Amy Moser, Lisa Mark Gerard, Amy Moser. Mm-hmm. Mark who are, who are amazing advocates and I, I can't wait to but my favorite is Beatrice Galam I'm really excited to share her interview with everyone because oh, yeah? it's like, she's like the big one you know the biggest mm-hmm. researcher yeah. around she and is, yeah. just made incredible impacts in mm-hmm. um how we can treat fluoroquinolone toxicity like people are literally just taking her research and using it to heal themselves like she is like she's a genius. I, interviewing her was like crazy because I was like, really? where, where are we? What is happening? Like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't met her, but I, I, I love that she's doing the research and she's doing the hard work and 
um, and that she's an ally to the Florida community. Yeah. And she just found it interesting. She has no personal connection to it. Um, someone brought it to her attention. They're like, look at this. This is a interesting mm-hmm. thing that's happening to people. And yeah. she's like, wow. Okay. And, and she's just, she's extremely hard to reach out to and tried canceling on me a bunch of times. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, please don't, please don't. You're so good. Please don't cancel. <laughs> Oh my God. Did she you got that way, your celebrity? 30 too? minutes that she was available. Like 30 <laughs> minutes. And we just pop right in and out. <laughs> yeah. um, Did you have that experience with the celebrity that you're in a, that you've interviewed or going to interview? I talked on the phone with him, but um yeah. I since the pandemic happened, we've just gone mm-hmm. in completely different directions and like I think he's just like healed and he supports us, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I also realized like, we don't need that. We don't need that celebrity presence. Um, Mm -hmm. There were a couple people that I talked to when I first started making this film. They're like, Hey, we'll give you a bunch of money. I'll film your whole, your whole thing. If you get this celebrity and I'm not, I'm not naming names, but it was like one of the first Flopsy celebrities that, you know, you, you Mm -hmm. probably know who I'm talking about. I actually Um, do know who you're talking about. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying either. So um yeah and so I was like okay let's go I'm gonna do it and like found his manager like had a whole you know phone conversations email conversations whatever the whole shebang and eventually he ended up I think getting another tendon injury which I thought was kind of funny but whatever (laughs) either way um you know the manager was like absolutely not and I was like hey like you know we couldn't get that celebrity and then we ended up getting a different one (laughs) But I was like, wait, like, this doesn't matter. Like, the, what matters is the stories. What matters are the people. Like, you don't have to have a presence in order right. to really um, understand the impact that this drug has on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a funny kind of game we played for a little while. Being like, we, have, sure. to get a name. we have to get a name. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, whether we have them or not, we might. Mm-hmm. And that would be amazing. And it would, you know, give us a lot of clout but if not you know that's okay we know that we're supported and there are a bunch of Mm -hmm. journalists I've talked to who also live around me in New York who are really supportive and like we we have a lot of support either way so and just like just incredible how much people have reached out to me personally and have you know either asked for support or offered it and we just have such an amazing Mm -hmm. amazing community like I would have not we absolutely do yeah bet any of these people Mm -hmm. um without I I mean I wouldn't do it again but (laughs) it's it's really cool we share this really messed up trauma but no Mm -hmm. one else could ever possibly understand what we went through well because you know I know for me like I I thought that I was the only person that this happened to you know I figured like I, I I just had bad luck and this, this stupid thing happened to me and um you know I started joining the groups and everything and I saw like just how big of a problem it is and it's not just in the U.S. it's globally. Yeah, I literally got an email in Mandarin Chinese uh, a few months ago, <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Google Translate tried to respond, <laughs> as I, as yeah, I, I used I used Google Translate like part of. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so tell our viewers how they can find you on social media and find out more about your film. Yeah. Um, so floxeddoc.com, that's F-L-O-X-E-D-D-O-C.com, um, is a good resource. Um, we 
everything is connected to that. So if you want to find our Facebook or our Instagram or our email or whatever, it's right there. Um, but we make most of our announcements on our Facebook page and our email newsletter, um, which you can again, find through the website. Um, we are again, still on pause for a long time. We got to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I have like a whole announcement on Facebook and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I know you guys keep asking about the film. It's going to happen. It's happening. Um, but we just need to kind of organize some stuff before we um, become active again. But yeah, if, if whoever wants to follow us on the newsletter or, um, or the Facebook page, you'll, you'll know from there what's going to happen with the film and where we're at. That's great. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, this has been Real Talk with Rachel, bringing together advocacy and medicine for safer healthcare.